right. Praise God. How's everybody doing? Come on. Listen, y'all, we have had, you know, uh, Tiffany prayed for people that were sick because I'm telling you, uh, earlier this morning, I was like, I don't know if anybody's coming to church. But look, isn't God good? Come on. He is so good. Y'all, listen, uh, I, I was going to ask Sam to stay up on the keys, but uh, I just like that pad. Come on, somebody. Everybody knows heaven is filled with, with angelic pads, right? Do you believe that? I'm just kidding. I'm messing with y'all. It's, it's going to be way better than that. But, um, y'all, we started a series last week called uh, You Asked For It. And we took a poll uh, Easter this year where we just basically gave a bunch of topics and we even had like a fill in the blank. If you want to hear on this subject, then write it down. And we got some really great responses. And, and part of that, you know, part of it, we did a whole series on the Holy Spirit because a, a bunch of us wanted to hear about that. And y'all, if you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, go check out our last series that we did. It's on Spotify, iTunes. I think it's on Amazon Podcast. Just go check that out because how many of you know the Holy Spirit is alive and well and active today. Do you believe that? Come on, that was pretty good, but we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. How many of you know we serve the same God that that did miracles in the New Testament, Old Testament? He's still doing them today. That's a little bit better. Come on, somebody. We serve a good God, right? And so last week, Tiffany taught on spiritual warfare, and I'm just telling y'all, I love it, because some of y'all have been telling us that you go through, like you started at the very beginning when our podcast started, and you just drive into work, listen to the podcast, check them out, because how many of you know the word is good for your life? Absolutely it is, and, and she, did, she did an incredible job talking about spiritual warfare. Do me a favor, if you weren't there, go check it out. But how many of you brought your Bibles with you tonight? How many of you know the word is important? Do you believe that? Come on, how many of you know the word is important? Do you believe it? It is very, very important. And if you have your Bibles, whether it's digital or paper, I have both. I enjoy both, a little bit of both. Dabble, check out different translations. How many of you know people ask me all the time, what's your favorite translation? And I say the one that you read the most. Do you believe that? Come on, come on. Y'all, Luke chapter 8 in verse 26, we're going to be reading... uh, on an incredible subject today. You all asked for it, and I'm going to be talking to you from the subject, sharing my faith, sharing my faith. How many of you know that uh, sometimes sharing your faith can be difficult? <laughs> it for real can. And, man, I, I did a poll on, on Facebook and everything, and I'm going to be talking about some of the responses I got in that. But how many of you know that sharing, is, or sharing your faith is actually not difficult if you know how to do it? Crickets. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are things in life just like this, but there are things in life that if you understand it, it's actually really not that complicated. Like, for example, like, so how many of you know sometimes the paper towel dispensers can be a little complicated? Do you know that? Like, it's sometimes you're like, you know, some of y'all, how many of you like the air-blowing ones? The, look, those are filled with germs. They are disgusting. Don't use them. Use your hands. It's way better. Or pants. It's way better, okay? But so here's the thing. My son, Jonas, and I don't know if he still has this issue, but he, he like, was addicted to washing his hands. Like, he still is, right? I mean, I'm like, son, you, dang, you don't have to wash your hands after you washed your hands, okay? They are clean, bro, you know? I guess it's better than not wanting to wash hands. Anyways, but so here's the thing. I have a confession to make. The paper towel dispensers in this bathroom drive me nuts, okay? And they have driven me nuts, right? They give you like a little sheet, and then you're like, dude, 
I cannot dry my hands. I learned how to use them, okay? Before you pull it, let it go, and then wave it again, and it'll give you more. Come on, somebody, right? And so now you can dry your hands. It was complicated, but it's really not that complicated. It's pretty easy. I'm telling you, I was struggling for an intro story, and I was like, babe, give me a story. And I got one right before service came in because I'm like, I learned how to use the dumb paper towel machines. How many of you know, listen, evangelism and sharing your faith can be difficult. But if you understand it, if you know how it works, it actually is not that complicated. It's really not. Luke chapter 8, are you with me? How many of y'all are with me tonight? Come on. Are y'all awake? Let's go, okay? We got lots of scripture. If you didn't read your word this week, you're going to get some right now. It's going to be good. Luke chapter 8 and verse 26. So they arrived in the region of Genesis. I looked up how to say that because I was like, I don't know how to say that. Genesis, okay? Across the lake from Galilee, verse 27. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside of town. Verse 28. This is where it gets real fun, okay? Verse 28, as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. How many of you know even demonic spirits fall down in front of Jesus? That's the power of our God, okay? As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Verse 28. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, even, or even when he was placed under guard and put into chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Listen to me. Don't tell me that demonic spirits aren't real. Don't tell me that spiritual warfare is not real. Some of us want to stick our head in the sand and act like it's not real. And I'm telling you, this junk is real. Go check out Pastor Tiffany's podcast last week because it was so good. Plug, shameless plug. Verse 30, Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. Verse 31, the demons kept begging Jesus not to send him into the bottomless pit. Verse 32, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And the demons begged him to let him enter the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. I told you we had lots of scripture tonight. It's going to be good. Verse 33, then the demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and entered, or entered the, the pigs, and the herd, the entire herd, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine being there? And Jesus cast these demons out of these pig, out of these, this person and into the pigs, and the pigs just leap off of a cliff. That would be absolutely nuts. Verse 34, it says this. When the herdsmen of the pigs saw it, they fled to a nearby town and surround, or in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. That's going to be an important verse that we're going to jump back here in a moment. Verse 35. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who he had, or who had been set free, come on, from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. 
and there, and they were all afraid. Verse 36, then those who had seen what had happened told the, other, the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. We're almost done, I promise. Verse 37, and all the people in the region of Jerusalem, okay, sorry, messed it up that time, begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great wave and fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left to the, to the other side of the lake. Verse 38, we got two more verses, I promise, and it's going to get real good. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them, somebody shout, tell them, everything God has done for you. So he went all throughout the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. Somebody say, praise God. God. Are y'all with me? Was that too much? Okay. This is so big, y'all, so big. How many of you know that sharing your faith is not just the pastor's job? I grew up in a church, and, and honestly, in this time and in this, I think, ministry season, there was a season where ministry was very event-focused. And I don't know if you attended a church like that, but they, it would, that's how they drew people. And it's not wrong. I'm not even saying that it's wrong. But I remember one time the pastor that was speaking, he made a comment, and he said, Listen, I know that sharing your faith is difficult, but I'm telling you, if it's really hard for you, just bring them to church. We'll handle it. Can I tell you that I do not agree with that statement at all? At all. And one, that's not biblical. And I'm not saying, here, let me just balance it, okay? Because what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't be able to win people to Jesus right here. Do you believe you should be able to win people to Jesus in church? But can I tell you something that's way more effective when you're winning people to Jesus in Starbucks? Especially Starbucks, my wife said. Come on, they need prayer, right? How many of you know it's way more powerful to share Jesus with people on your job site or in your school? Come on. How many of you know it's way more important to share Jesus in your home? Did you hear that? How many of you know that that sharing your faith starts in your home? It absolutely starts in your home. 2 Timothy 4 and 5 says this, but you should keep a clear mind in in, in every situation. Watch this. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. And what? Everybody shout it. Work. Say it again. Ready? Work. Work at telling. That was pretty good. We'll work. We'll work at it. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it. Verse 16, but watch this. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. I have two points tonight. A lot of subject in the, in the first point. The first one is this. Our faith is worth sharing. Whew. Y'all, our faith is worth sharing. I'm going to read Luke 838, one more time, and 39, it says this. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, verse 39, 
No, go back to your family and tell them everything that God has done for you. Not only did he go back and tell his family, but he told every single person that he walked by as he ran by, look what Jesus has done in my life. He has set me free and he can set you free too. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching way better than y'all are shouting at me. Jesus set this man free, and he was like, Jesus, I want to stay with you. No, go and tell everybody what it is that I've done in your life. How is, what is sharing your faith? It's telling them what Jesus has done in your life. Your faith, our faith, is worth sharing. I love this story because it's like a beautiful story, a beautiful depiction of what salvation is like. How many of you know that when you get saved, it would be awesome if you just got beamed me up, Scotty, right up into heaven? Wouldn't that be awesome? But that's not how it works. The dude was like, Jesus, I want to go with you. And he's like, no, you got work, bro. How many of you know that salvation is just the first step? Then you got work to do. Do you believe that? You've got work to do. I have a question for us tonight. And I mean this, I don't mean this condescendingly, I mean this genuinely. Is your faith worth sharing to you? Is your faith worth sharing? And you know what the reality is, is I know most everyone in this room. And so I believe you when you say yes. But the truth is, is there might be some people that the answer, if you were honest, and we're not, I'm not going to make you stand up like, like, <laughs> like she tried to make y'all, okay? But, it, but if your response is no, my prayer for you is that by the end of this message, you would understand the value of your story. You would understand the value of, of your faith. I, in studying this, I, I, I looked up a, a study, and you can go ahead and put it up there. It's the Barna Study, yeah, and, and basically, you guys, they, what Barna did is they did a study where they interviewed millennials, Gen X, boomers, and elders, okay? These were the people, and I believe the study was done in 2018, okay? And I want to focus on, on the bottom two responses down there, but the, nearly 50%, listen, ne nearly 50% of millennials, and you know what? I'm not even hating on millennials because I'm going to balance this real quick, Okay? But nearly 50% of millennials surveyed said it would be wrong to share one's personal beliefs if, with someone if they had a different faith, hoping that they would eventually come to their faith, that it would be wrong, right? And the eight, and I'm sorry, 40% of millennials said that if someone disagrees with you, it might mean that they are judging you. And here's the thing, listen. Millennials catch a lot of heat, right? And they do. And I think it's Gen Z now that's catching the heat, right? And maybe it's Gen Alpha. I have two children in both of them. I don't know. Where do they come up with these names? Like, they're already so confident. Gen Alpha? Come on. Let's go. Like, can you imagine being a part of the Alpha generation? I'm like, no, right? Can I just tell you something? I don't, I really don't think that millennials, when they serve, when they said almost 50%, that if someone had a different faith, it would be wrong. I don't think they were doing it in an, a cowardly, ugly way. I think it was coming from, honestly, an empathetic stance. Because seriously, there's not a more empathetic generation than millennials. Right? They have 
they are always on some cause. They are always trying to do something. And even if it's ridiculous, like this is so dumb. Why are you doing that? They're like, I don't know. I'm just trying to help. Right? I really do think it's, but can I tell you something? This is what I wrote down. Satan is working hard at, to weaponize our empathy. Satan has worked so hard, y'all, to weaponize our empathy. And I'm not just talking about sharing the gospel, but the enemy has, has tried to weaponize our empathy towards morality. Right? Because we care so much about people that we just, man, I just don't want to say that. I don't want to share that. Can I tell you something? It might mean the difference between someone's eternity and someone's, someone's going to a good place versus a bad place. Can I be real? Can I tell you hell is real? It is real, y'all. And you can't stick your head in the sand and pretend like it's not because it is. And it is our responsibility to not let Satan weaponize our empathy. Be empathetic. I am all about empathy. Listen, the church needs empathy. But we can't let Satan take our empathy and weaponize it towards the righteousness of God. Do you believe that? I did my own Facebook study <laughs> this week, okay? I did my own Facebook study. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. A bunch of people in the room posted. And, and I'm like, thank you for my sermon. You gave me so much material. It was incredible. But, but I, I wrote four or five things down that I got from this study. I, I posted on Facebook. And I just said, what are the main reasons we think that Christians or believers uh, have a hard time struggling their faith with people who are unbelievers. And I got five real responses out of all of the comments. One, a lack of confidence or, or knowledge. A lack of confidence or knowledge. Uh, two, because we don't want to be a hypocrite, right? Come on, let's be honest, right? I don't want to be a hypocrite. Or there are people that are not taking their faith seriously. Three, fear of rejection or judgment. Four, feeling unworthy or not Christian enough. Okay, and the last one is this, fear of pushing too hard or the idea of possibly offending a person. I want to break down these five things, and then we're going to get into actually what sharing your faith is. But first one is this, lack of confidence or knowledge. This was the first statement, lack of confidence or knowledge. This is extremely common with believers. And I want to help you all tonight. Can I help you guys tonight? Can I help you when it comes to the concept of I don't, I don't know enough so I can't share because I don't know enough? Can I help you all real quick? I have two thoughts, right? One is this. People struggle because they're afraid that maybe if I, if I talk to a person that maybe they're going to know more or they might challenge me in my own faith or they might ask me a question that I don't understand. I literally know people who are filled with anxiety because of the fact that, that somebody might ask them a question that they don't know, right? So one is this, don't let what you don't understand change what you do understand. Listen, you're not going to know everything. I don't know everything. We are learning. The Bible literally says that we will learn from Jesus for all eternity, right? So even when you go to heaven, God is so big that you're going to be learning from his character forever. Forever. His character and wisdom and, and information is endless, y'all, right? So don't let what you don't understand stop you from what you do understand. You might not be able to explain the doctrine of the Trinity to somebody, right? 
right? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, uh, yeah, like three and one, but one but three. Uh, it's like ice. It's like it could be water, steam, and, 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 you know, and I'm like, no, dude, that doesn't make sense. Okay, I've heard it might be like an egg, right? And I'm like, no, guys, no. Listen to me. <laughs> Banner's like, yeah, no. Okay, what I'm saying is this. If you understood the Trinity, then you would understand God. And if you understood God, then you would, I question whether it's God or not. How many of you know God's ways are higher than our ways? How many of you know that you can, I mean, there are elements of God that we can grasp, but how many of you know that there are things that will, we're going to be forever learning, forever, forever, ever learning. The, tri, the triune God is who God is, right? So you may, not, you may not understand how to explain the Trinity, but you know that Jesus saved your marriage. Did you hear me? You might not understand how to explain Calvinism versus Arminianism, but Jesus saved your child. How many of you know you may not understand all these different doctrinal positions, but you understand that Jesus set you free and changed your life? The reality is don't let what you don't understand Mess up what you do understand. And I see this all the time where people, they get caught up in these, these debates on doctrinal stances. And I'm like, guys, stick the, keep the main thing the main thing. Do you believe that? So one, don't let what you don't understand stop you from what you do understand. And two, I'm going to help you real quick. You do not have to have all of the answers. You Look at me. You don't have to have all the answers. Can I just free you for a second? In fact, I'm going to give you a response. I'm going to give you a response that is going to change your life. Are you ready for your life to be changed forever? Here is the response. I don't know. Y'all, listen to me. I don't know. I, I have people ask me questions all the time, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not actually sure about that, but give me a little bit, and I'll ask someone, or I'll research it, and I'll get back to you, and we can have this conversation. Because, you know, I may not know about some you know, religion that's in the African jungle somewhere. I don't know. I may not understand their doctrinal position on the afterlife. I don't know. But give me some time, and I'll study it, right? But look at me. The worst thing that we could do as believers is make something up when you really don't know. This is where you get doctrine like, well, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. You know someone's sitting around. I'm like, that's not in the Bible, y'all. And I'm not even going to hit on that because we hit on that a lot. But stuff like, well, someone died. Another angel got their wings. That's not biblical, y'all. And I'm not, look, the hard part is, is when people say that, it's never appropriate to go, hey, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> so nobody died, and I'm just telling you that when people die, they don't get wings. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You're not becoming an angel. And we could get deep into that, but we're not going to. But my point is, is someone just pulled something out of their backpack. <laughs> Come on. Someone just pulled something out of nowhere, and they're just trying to be, I get it. They're trying to be helpful. They're trying to be consoling. But stuff like, like well, God needed him more than you did. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, that theology messes people up, y'all. Why does God need him more? To change the light bulbs in heaven? Nah. God, they change the light bulbs in heaven. They last forever. Come on, somebody. He is the light. Here we go. Come on, baby. But, but we come up with all, all kinds of crazy 
stuff, right, that is not even in the word. And the reality is, is maybe you get into a conversation with somebody and you don't know. And look at me. You could start off the conversation and go, you know what? Let's talk. I may not be able to answer stuff. I may not know all the questions. I may not know the answers to all your questions, but I would love to sit down with you and talk. I was a king at calling my pastor to be like, hey, I'm talking to this Jehovah's Witness. Here, talk to him real quick. Like, I'm not even joking. My pastor's probably like, oh, my God. Do you realize it's 12 o'clock at night? I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you don't know the answer, what's the, what's the response? Come on, what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. The reality is, is this. I don't know, but give me some time and I'll research it. And can I challenge you? Look at me. Research it. Study it. Study the word. I mean, if it's a crazy subject, call me and I'll help you study it. The goal for me is this. Study it. Study it for yourself. Don't believe it just because I said it. Don't believe it just because she said it. Study it for yourself and find out that it's truth for you. Do you believe that? Statement number two. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I totally understand this one, actually, right? I don't want to be a hypocrite. But can I tell you something? One of the most annoying, everybody shout the word annoying. Oh, that was like two-thirds of you. Everybody shout annoying. There we go. The most annoying statement to me is this. Well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. <laughs> How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Oh, I don't go to church. I avoid the mess out of that place because there's a bunch of hypocrites. That's like going to the gym and getting ticked off that an overweight person is running on a treadmill. You don't stop going to the gym because there are people that are trying to better their lives, Right? Here's the reality. Let me, I'm going to make another statement that some of y'all, maybe your minds are going to be blown. Everyone in this room, if you are a believer, will be a hypocrite at one point. Every single one of you. Me, right? And even Paul. I'll read it. You don't believe it? Romans 7.19 says this. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't do, or it says I don't do or sorry, I don't want to do what is wrong. Thank you, baby. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Does that mean that Paul lived his life like we're just messed up? It doesn't matter. No, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that you are not perfect and you are going to make mistakes. And even though we strive to be like Christ, I don't know about y'all, but I messed up today and I'm not like Christ. I try though. It's, it's the exception, not the rule. What I'm not saying is that we shouldn't work towards being like Christ. But every one of us in this room is going to be a hypocrite. And if you would apply that same standard to your job, you would never go to work. Did you hear me? If you would apply that same standard or that same logic, you would never go to work. Watch this. We say this all the time. Christianity is not about perfection. It's about what? Come on, everybody say it. It's about what? It's about direction. Some of y'all are like, pastor said that I can do whatever I want. No, I didn't. I did not say that. I'm saying we should work towards being like Christ. But the truth is, is if you're not going to share your faith because you're a hypocrite, then no one's going to ever share their faith, right? Because we all make mistakes. Third statement is this. Fear, the fear of rejection or judgment. The, the fear of rejection or judgment. I'm making up words right now. 
the idea of, man, I don't want to share my faith with this person because, man, they might get mad at me. They might yell at me. <laughs> right? First of all, you're assuming, and we all know what happens when you assume. Stop cussing in church, y'all. <laughs> Let me ask you a question real fast. I'm going to put a name up on the, on the screen, and I want, I want to ask you, do you know who this is? Mordecai Ham. Do you know who that is? Does anybody know who that is? Yeah, you know because I told you. Put your hand down. Oh, you knew it before that. Okay. All right, so leave that name up there. Hold on. Don't pull that trigger back there. Y'all, this next name that we put up, I want, to, I want to ask you if you know who this is. Okay, who knows who Billy Graham is? Come on, put your hands up. Wave it like you just don't care. Come on. Right? Billy Graham, I wrote this down because it's so big. Billy Graham is now passed away. But it is said that he led 215 million people to Jesus. Do you know who Mordecai Ham is? Mordecai Ham is the one that led Billy Graham to Jesus. Come on, yeah, there you go. Let's go. It's about Jesus. Listen to me. Here's the thing. You could be afraid that the person's going to reject you, but the next Billy Graham might be the person that you're talking to Jesus about. Did you hear me? You might be afraid that someone is going to reject you, but that person that you're talking to might go on to change the world. How many of you know the fear of rejection cannot outweigh the absolute chance that someone's life and the world could be changed forever? And even if they don't go on to change 215 million people's lives, it might be one person. Isn't that one person not worth it? Can I tell you something real quick? If Jesus Christ had not died on the cross yet and you were the only one alive, one person, he would still die for you. Because one person is just as important as 215 million people. Do you believe that? So good. So, so good. When I was in high school, my entire high school career, one person shared Jesus with me. And honestly, it was, uh, I mean, I'm not even being ugly because I'm glad they did. But I had more of my Mormon friends share their, their gospel. How many of you know it's a different gospel? It's a different gospel, y'all. It's different. Don't get trapped. It is different. But they shared their faith with me. I remember one time I had a guy come up to me who was Mormon, tears in his eyes, so serious, and just looked at me and said the, the, that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and he knows it. Just so serious. So much that it shook me, y'all. And I went home. I wasn't even really living my life right at all. And I went home and asked my mom, uh, why? Like, what's the difference between a Mormon and myself? And my mom goes, well, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And I said, I'm sorry, but that's not good enough for me. Like, I want to know why it's wrong. I want to study it. And then I spent the next four years, or, or when I gave my life to the Lord, I spent equivalent of four years all together researching and studying it. And if y'all want to have like a five-hour conversation, we can talk afterwards, okay? Because it's pretty deep, okay? But look, can I tell you something? All I could think about is, and, and what I found out later is that a lot of my friends that I went to high school with were actually what I call closet Christians. And they actually did believe, but they were too afraid and they were too scared to share the gospel with me. How, I just, I get emotional even thinking about it because, y'all, how many stupid decisions I made 
before the age of 18 even, or 19 even, how many dumb decisions I made that maybe I could have been saved from, y'all. If somebody would have just had, I just want to say a bad word right now, the guts, okay, to share Jesus with me. But one person, and honestly, it was a, well, do you go to church anywhere? And that was it. Listen to me. I want to say this. I wrote this down because I want, I want you all to hear it. It's better to plant or water a seed than it is to possibly miss out on Jesus setting someone free. Did you hear me? Because look, not every person that you talk to is going to give their life to Jesus. But what I can tell you is that a seed will be planted. Come on. A seed will be planted. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. It says this. I planted the seeds in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was who? Come on. It was who? Who made it grow. Verse 7, if you want to know evangelism, if you want to know sharing your faith in a verse, this is it right here. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God, come on, made the seeds grow. It's not important who does the watering. It's not important who does the planting. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Look at me. Who cares if they're going to reject you? Their salvation could be dependent on it. And at very least, you may plant a seed in their life that eventually God is going to make it grow. Why? Because someone else is going to come alongside and water it. Some of y'all plant. Some of y'all water. Some of y'all do both. But God is the one that reaps the harvest. God is the one that makes it grow. Don't let the fear of rejection stop you from sharing your faith because someone's freedom absolutely depends on it. Do you hear me? Statement number four, we're getting through these real quick, okay? Feeling unworthy or not Christian enough. And I, I want you to, I, I just, I, there are some pictures there that I don't want you to put up. I just want you to leave this next statement up. I just want you to leave it up here so we can read it. Watch this. We are not worthy because of what we have done. We are worthy because of what he has done. Did you hear me? Think about it. I want you to think about it. This, our church our church is built, the, the foundation of our church is built off one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, which is the woman at the well. That woman was messed up, y'all. Super messed up. How many of you know that when she met Jesus, Jesus set her free, and then she went back and told the whole city, come and see the man that told me everything I've ever done. Can I ask you a question? What did the woman at the well do to, to receive worthiness? Nothing, y'all. She did nothing. And did Jesus rebuke her? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not worthy to go tell those people about me yet. You got to earn that. No. No. What'd you say? Yeah, go fix all your junk, lady. You're messed up. How many of you can relate with the woman at the well? I can. I'm telling you, I was messed up. I was super messed up. In fact, I had one of, one of our board members called me this week to tell me that he's preaching on perseverance. And he's talking about my mom being like, that woman never gave up praying. That woman never stopped pursuing the salvation for her son. And, she's like, and he's like, and now look what God has done in his life. And, and I'm not bragging, but I'm just telling you, Tiffany and I have lived all over the United States. We've had the opportunity to share the gospel with thousands of people because we're willing to be obedient. 
And it's not because I'm worthy. It's because he is worthy. And his, his Holy Spirit drew me to repentance. And when I repented, I gave my life to the Lord and he set me free. And now I understand that it's not my job to hog this freedom to myself, but it's to make or to help others find that same freedom. Do you believe it? Think about, think about the dude. Think about the dude that was demon-possessed that we just read about. What did he do? What did he do? In fact, the dude did a lot more damage than he did good. And Jesus, you know what? Jesus was like, dude, get out. And the dude was perfectly saying clothed. Apparently he was running around naked and nobody could put clothes on him. They're like, here, take these. <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't want them. <laughs> what did he do? Think about it. What did the dude do to earn worthiness or right standing with God other than Jesus changed his life? Come on, somebody. Jesus changed his life. Listen to me. We are not worthy because of what we have done. We are worthy because of what he has done. And I mean that with every bit of who I am. Listen to me. I wrote this down like this. Sharing our faith is not about our value or worth. It's about telling the world about his value and worth. Yeah. I want to say that one more time because I want you to hear me. It's so big, guys. It's so big. Sharing our faith is not about our value or worth. Get it out of your head. It's not about what you've done. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you're going to do. It's about who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. Do you believe that? It's sharing our faith is not about our value or worth. It's about telling the world about his value or worth. And this is statement number five. The fear of pushing too hard or the idea of possibly offending a person. <laughs> Listen, I, I hear that. I hear that and I agree with that. Because look, how many of you have been beat over the head with a Bible before? Like figuratively. Not literally, okay? I mean, I could, they call them Bible thumpers. What do they call them today? <laughs> Bible thumpers. Listen to me. We believe this so hard. And I want you to hear me say this. If it feels forced, then don't do it. I, I believe so hard right now that we should not force anyone to believe in Jesus. It's not something that you force people to do. It's something that the Holy Spirit draws people to do. But there's a balance, right? And I said, feels forced, don't do it. So I, I love this story, and I was so pumped to be able to share it today. Earlier, I thought I might be only sharing it with our team, but I'm so glad there are more of you in the room. Listen, so my son has been, what, you were saying something? Oh, I thought you were saying something. I'm sorry. I'm like, did I already mess up the story? What happened? I just started, okay? So my son Jonas has been, has been talking to one of his friends since we moved here, basically, or for a long time, for a long time. And I, I'll hear him on Fortnite. What? You're not a Christian? Like, what does that mean, dude? Like, why are you not a Christian? Like, and I'm like, Jonas, stop being rude to the kid. And then, and then, you know, obviously they're friends, right? Jonas has built that relationship with him. How many of you know relationships important? Come on. So what's so incredible, and I'm like, Bob, I'm going to get emotional thinking about it, okay? What's so incredible is the other day, Tiffany sent uh, sent this voicemail in a group chat that our family has. I wish I could play it, but I don't. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you what he said. This kid sends Jonas a message and goes, hey, 
hey, Jonas, I just wanted to ask you what time your church, what time City Point Church meets because I'm a new believer. <laughs> I'm a new believer and I want to come to church and I want to I want to come and hang out. And then our son got sick, so he's not even here tonight. But I'm like, but listen to me, listen to me, listen, listen. You could be so afraid of, man, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be forceful. And I'm, a, I'm with you. Listen, Christians have done a lot of stupid things being forceful. And you don't have to show this photo either, but I had a picture of, of the Crusades, like a, a painting or whatever. Crusades were a perfect example of trying to force people who, who were Muslim to, 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 to be a Christian. And they literally murdered people if they didn't convert. Can I tell you something? Jesus was not in that. Jesus was not in the Crusades. And I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how much you think you know Jesus. Forcing people to do things for Jesus is wrong. Because can I say something to you? When you get to heaven and you're standing there all by yourself and Jesus is right there and you're being judged, no one else is going to be there with you. It's just you. It's your choice. It's your decision. Now, here's the thing. Just because you don't want someone to feel forced doesn't mean you don't try. It doesn't mean you just go, oh, well, they never want to. There are people in this room that if I would have given up, you wouldn't be here. And who knows? I mean, I'm not trying to give myself credit because Jesus can do it without me. But I'm going to tell you something. There are people that are in your life. There are people that are in your family right now that if you gave up, they may never come to Jesus. Do you hear me? This is why we tell our people all the time, be Jesus with skin on. Right? Because there are some people in your life that they believe that if they walk into a church, the building's going to blow up. Another dumb, non-biblical comment, okay? It's not in the Bible. Come as you are, right? But the truth is, if you have people in your life that don't know Jesus, don't give up. Don't be forceful, but don't give up. Keep loving. Keep sowing. Keep watering. And watch as God begins to grow those seeds. Do you believe that tonight? Watch as God begins to grow those seeds. And I want to read this real quick. When it comes, when it comes to being, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit for sake of time, but I want you to hear me say this. Jesus was full of what? Grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. John 1, 14 says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his full glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Watch this. Full of what? Grace and truth. I wrote this down. Jesus, and I already said it, but was full of grace and truth. He wasn't 50-50, okay? Listen to me. He wasn't full of grace 50%, full of truth 50%. He was 100-100. Everything he did was truth, and everything he did was filtered through the lens of grace. Do you hear that? And guess what? Jesus has called us to be what? Christ-like. The word Christian means Christ follower. If you want to be like Christ, then you have to be full of what? Grace and truth. you got to be full of grace and truth. The problem is, is we have a lot of Christians who are full of truth and just sound like a bunch of jerks. Right? We have a bunch of Christians who are full of grace and don't confront anything. That's why it's important. 
it's not a balance, right? You give 100, 100. It's like marriage. It's not 50, 50. It's 100, 100. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Because how many of you know, oh, we live in a world that needs truth. We live in a world, guys, there are people in this room, I need it. But there are people in this room that someone's been feeding you grace, 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 and no truth. Grace and truth, full of it. What was Jesus full of? Grace and truth, grace and truth. I want to read this. Um, Every single person in this room, hear me, is called to evangelize. Look at me. It's not one of those things. You don't have to decipher the scripture. You don't have to wonder if, oh, was, this, was he talking to introverts? Was he talking to extroverts? Watch this. Matthew 28, 19 says this. Go out. Everybody shout the words. Go out. Go out and make what? Disciples in all the nations. What did Jesus want the, the demon-possessed man to do? Go. Go. What? He wanted him to go, go out and tell everyone what God has done for you. In just a moment, we're going to get into what, uh, what discipleship is, and I believe it's going to be really good. Watch this. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist, but everyone in this room is called to evangelize. I don't have time to break those two things down, right? An evangelist is like a traveling pastor. It, it goes into a church, makes, stirs a bunch of stuff up, and then the pastor deals with all the stuff, the good stuff and bad stuff, right? It sounds incredible. What? I need to be an evangelist. I'm just joking. Listen, not everyone is called to be an evangelist, but every single person in this room that can hear my voice, you are called to evangelize. Some of y'all don't even really know who Jesus is, and I'm telling you, your future calling is to evangelize. Because you, maybe you're not saved yet. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord. But when he sets you free, and he will set you free, go and make disciples of all the nations. So here's what's so important. So stinking important. Everybody shout the words important. Or the word important. This is so big. The words. What is the why? What's the why behind the what here? The what is, we're all called to go, but what's the why? Watch this. We are set free to help others find freedom. We are set free to help others find freedom. Galatians 5.1 says this. So Christ has truly set us free. How many of you are free in this room? Well, come on, say it like you're free. How many of you are free in this room right now? Come on, how many of you know a quiet church is a dead church? Do you believe that? Oh, oh. Stepping on some toes here. We are set free to help others find freedom. Look at me. Not helping others find freedom would be like having the cure to cancer and keeping it to yourself. Saying, let all those people die. Huh? I mean, I would punch the dude in the face or the chick in the face. Come on. If someone was to keep the cure to cancer to themselves, how selfish would that be? Look at me. You have the cure to something. It's the cure to sin. Do you believe that? And if you keep it to yourself, it is more selfish than if you had the cure to cancer and kept it to yourself. Why? Because we're talking about eternity here. 
We're talking about someone's destination after this life here. How many of you know that we, have a, we are on this life for a short time and then the rest is eternity? The why behind the what? Because why? Hell is real and it's real. And I'm sorry, there are a lot of people that don't want to talk about it, but it is very real. And I care so deeply for everyone in this room. I care deeply for your family that I am bold enough to say, listen, it's real. Hell is real. And I want your family, I want your friends, I want your brothers and your sisters and your aunts and your uncles and your great-grandmas, I want all of them to be set free and living in eternity with Jesus. And it doesn't help anybody. Listen, I don't care if, if someone rejects me. I don't care. Because you know what? It's probably going to happen. People are going to be ugly to you. People are going to be mean to you. Is someone being set free worth it? Is the why behind the what, is it worth it? Look at Paul's heart. This is so stinking big. I love this verse so much. Paul's heart, Romans 9 verse 2 says this. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, the Jewish brothers and sisters. Man, guys. Oh, this is so big. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. My wife's like, not me. And I'm like, me neither, dude. Like, the truth is, is that's not even possible. Paul, you can't forfeit your own salvation. But here's the thing. If he could do it, he would. If it was a possibility, he would. Listen, and I mean this, I don't mean this harsh or ugly, so please don't feel condemned. That's not my heart. But when is the last time we were filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for a person or a people? What's the why behind the what? These are people. And the only thing in all creation that has eternal value, that's it. Everything else is going to get burned up, y'all. People are the only thing that is going to last. That's it. When is the last time we were so moved? Why did I move to Knoxville? Why did we move to Knoxville? Because we are moved, guys. We are burdened for this city. And I'm burdened for you. I'm burdened for your family. We are burdened for you to see God move in your life and, and to see people who don't know Jesus come to the freedom and knowledge of Jesus and what he did for us. Do you believe that tonight? Do me a favor, you can stand to your feet. And if you want to jump up here, Sam. Galatians 5.1 says this. And I read part of it a moment ago, but I want us to read it and just hear me. Verse 5 says this. So Christ has truly what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Christ has what? Set us free. Watch this. Now make sure that you what? Come on, make sure that you what? Stay free. My friend Mike, I love you so much, dude. He called me this week, and he was like, what you doing, man? And I'm like, well, I'm just, you know, working through my message. And he's like, dude, I got a story to tell you. And I was like, bro, can I tell this story? And he was like, yeah. And I'm going to let him share his whole story at some point. I wanted him to come up, but his story is too important. We're going to save that for another time. But he was at work, and for those of you that know Mike, Mike has recently given his life to the Lord, and just so pumped for you, dude. Yeah, come on. It's a, 
and he was at work. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm going to brag on you for a minute, dude. This guy's a, he's a different guy. He's a different guy. And I don't even really know you very well, brother, but you get it. He's a different guy. He's a dramatically different dude. And one of his other coworkers came up to him and said, bro, what are you smoking? <laughs> because I want some of that. <laughs> I'm just so calm down. <laughs> what are you smoking? And Mike was like, I'm not smoking anything. And the guy goes, bro, are you Buddhist? <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm not Buddhist, man. I'm following Jesus. He changed my life. so awesome, dude. I'm telling you. Because look at me, look at me. When Jesus really sets you free, people will see it. They'll notice it. And you know what? They may reject you because of it at first. I'm telling you, when I got saved, I was so rejected. And it was for my benefit. I didn't realize it at the time. But I was so rejected. Every single one of my friends that I used to party with was like, dude, call me when you're done with this Jesus, dude. Because that was my M.O. I would go to camps, I would give my life to God, and then I would be like, yeah, and then next week I'd be right back at it, way worse. Until Jesus really set me free. And listen to me, when he sets you free, others will see it, others will notice it. You won't even have to tell them. They'll ask you, bro, why are you so free? Sis, why are you so free? I know you. You were a depressed pile of mess before. And now you're free. So what is this? What is biblical evangelism? Watch this. I said it earlier. Sharing our faith should not be complicated. But we do have to understand how it works in order to be effective. How many of you know I said effective? I didn't say what was right or wrong. How many of you know that there are more effective ways of sharing the gospel? One of them is letting your life be radically changed by Jesus. That's one. But the problem is, this is what I did. I got set on fire by God, and then I ran out and just started, like, shouting at all my friends. No wonder they were like, stop talking to me, dude. Have you ever seen the bullhorn people? Right? They're so passionate. I'm not even hating on them. They're so passionate. But what they're doing is they're taking their passion and they're lacking compassion. Right? Passion without compassion just looks like you're angry. It just looks like you're angry. So what is, what is biblical evangelism? Matthew 28. I'm going to read the whole thing. 28 and 19. And then I want to pray. And I just really believe that God is going to do something in our lives tonight. Right where you're standing or sitting. Matthew 28, 19 says this. Go out and make disciples in all the nations, ceremonially washing them through the baptism in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Then disciple them. Then disciple them. Form them. This is Jesus talking, y'all. This is, this is what... Christians call the great suggestion? Is that what it's called? What is it? Come on, shout it out. What? The great commission, y'all. 
Jesus wasn't suggesting anything. He was commissioning you. And he didn't say, pastors, go. He didn't say, all ye extroverts, go. He just said, go. He's talking to everyone. Go and make disciples of all nations. Verse 20 says this, then disciple them, form them in the practices and postures that I have taught you and show them how to follow the commandments I have laid down for you. Watch this. And I will be with you day after day to the end of the age. To the end of the age. I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray over you. Romans 9 verse 2 says this, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. For my people, the Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Let me pray for you real quick. This is my prayer, and everybody's eyes are closed. This is my prayer, is that the the heart of God would begin to fill our hearts right now. Actually, look at me real fast, and then I'm going to pray. <laughs> the Father gave up His one and only Son so that you can be set free. As a father, uh-uh. I love y'all. I love y'all, but no. Can I be, just be real? But the Father gave up his only son so that you could be set free. So that your neighbor could be set free. So that your co-worker, come on, could be set free. So that your siblings can be set free. So that your children can be set free. Come on, so that your daughters and your sons can live for the gospel. Is it not worth it? He gave up his son. Can we not just give up our lives? When you look at it like that, it's like, wow, they may hurt my feelings. Is it worth it? Because I'm going to tell you, when the Father looked at you, He said, you're worth it. Look at me. When you look at your friends, when you look at your family, is it worth it? Is your faith worth sharing? Let me pray for you. 